welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and today our guest is Dr. Lorimer Mosley, joining us from Australia. He is a leading clinical neuroscientist, pain educator, and clinician. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Lorimer, welcome back. Um, Lorimer's a friend of mine that I met a few years ago in Seattle. He had been given a course with his friend David Butler up in Vancouver, and a few of my friends had gone. They all came back down to Seattle. We all had dinner together at the athletic club and just hung out for a while. Um, Lorimer read my book, Back in Control. And he's a busy guy. So eight months later, he goes, hey, this is okay. And then long story short, we had him back to Seattle for three days. And he gave a series of lectures that were just phenomenal. But Lorimer is a clinical neuroscientist. He started out as a physical therapist. He is a clinical neuroscientist that bridges a lot of different fields. Right now, there's lots of research done in the polyvagal theory, there's the people that read the functional MRI scans. And Lorimer's approach about bridging different disciplines is really, really important, I think. So he's extraordinarily productive. He's written over 350 research papers. And I'm excited to have him on the show. And he and I both are, are come to find out, we're sort of on the same mission of really saying, look, there is hope for many of you in chronic pain. We don't have, a, we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of the answers. So Laura has really, Laura has really dedicated much of his life to actually spreading the word that yes, chronic pain is a solvable problem. So welcome, Laura. Appreciate you coming back. Thanks a lot, David. So there's lots to cover, and I'm going to try to stay focused on things that you think are most important. But I know that you um, have published a lot. You know a lot about chronic pain. You know the clinical implications, a, a lot of things to do research-wise. But you also have a remarkable commitment to getting the concepts out into the public domain so right now you are at your you work with what's your position right now your main your main role main role is at the university of south australia okay and what's your role there uh, i directed a collaboration called impact in health which stands for innovation implementation and clinical translation in health uh, and i guess i lead within that i also lead the persistent pain stuff in the body and mind research group okay so that's of course in line with your efforts to get pain into the public domain i mean how big of a problem is chronic pain in australia <laughs> very similar to the us and most western countries i think we we haven't been quite as belted by the opioid stick as you guys have um but we're we're on the same same general problem. trajectory with that uh, it's a massive problem I, I think to to most countries it's uh the burden as far as years live with disability is the biggest burden we face and the the burden as far as dollars and cents is one of the biggest burdens we face right uh, and that's about one one in five people are challenged by persistent pain and probably you know one half to one third of those uh you would say is very high impact chronic pain so so chronic pain that really does limit their productivity their quality of life and is a significant risk factor for you name it cancer stroke diabetes cardiovascular disease depression suicide drug addiction no, it's horrible it's really horrible um it's, it's massive 
Can you um, share with us, um, I guess, first of all, what's your vision of what you'd like to accomplish in your lifetime about the whole, I mean, you have a clearly defined drive to bring chronic pain knowledge into the public domain. Where, where did that, I know we talked about the last thing, it's just your basic value system, and you just think it's the right thing to do, which is admirable. But what are some of your, you've actually put it into action. What are some of the efforts you're doing right now to actually bring the knowledge about chronic pain into the public domain? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a really nuanced question, actually, David. Um, and I, I don't have a, this will come as a surprise to people who are familiar with, with what I do, I imagine. Um, Tom, did that cut out for you? Yeah. Did that cut out for everybody? Tom, you're muted. So what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll, uh, it's an internet connection thing. Mm. Uh, So I'm going to uh, turn my video off and maybe that'll provide us with a little extra bandwidth. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question again about um, what are some of your efforts to bring chronic pain into, into the public domain? That's dog. Yeah. Are you, are you there? What's going on here? Boy. Right now you're frozen. Are you there? Right, I should be back now. Okay. Is that so, better? Oh, Tom, look, and... and you two have changed where you were on my screen. How did you do that? I know, Tom. You suddenly traveled. So, Tom, you're going to turn off your video and mute. Yeah, I'm going to turn the okay. video off and then I'll, I'll edit this out. Okay, so I'm going to start back at the question we had about, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. So, okay. So, Lamar, you what I like about what you're doing is that you are familiar with the basic neuroscience research, help connect clinical research studies, but you also have a very strong drive to get this knowledge out into the public domain. Um, could you share with us some of the efforts that you're doing right now to actually get this message out there and why? Yeah, sure. So the why is the probably the more straightforward answer for me in that uh, I, I just want to do what I do as well as I can do it. And uh, I think there is a massive need uh, for people to understand the contemporary thought, really, um, not the models of pain that are 50 years old. So to understand what we now know about how pain works, how people can prevent it, how people can retrain their system and and the hope and opportunity. So there's the need, there's an opportunity that's as big as the, the need, I think. Right. Uh, and I do it because I, I really enjoy it uh, and I think that it sort of fits my skill set and, you know, within the context of my, of my life. And, and I really want to do that really well uh what we're doing so we're doing lots of lots of things in that space the probably the thing that's that's you know got a lot of oomph behind it at the moment is pain revolution so pain revolution is has the the bold vision uh, that every australian uh will have the knowledge the skills and access to local support to prevent and overcome persistent pain and we do that through a few strategies, but it, um, it it really is a one of the things I love about it is that it's a team effort, and we have a large interdisciplinary, primarily volunteer based team, uh, 
with consumers involved, with community organisations involved, with some industry partners, uh, with governmental partners, state and federal government departments, uh, all, all promoting this idea of uh, giving the knowledge to the general public okay. so that they can help drive clinical practice change. Right. And that idea was generated really from the observation that we've had 20 years of clinical guidelines okay. that have said, based on evidence, best evidence appraisal for 20 years, the best treatments we have for musculoskeletal pain are education, frontline education, active and psychological therapies and self-management. Right? That's, that's been guideline care around right. the world for up to 20 years. Okay. And you look at the likelihood that someone will receive that over that 20 years has reduced. I mean, it's, that's gobsmacking to me. The, the clinical guidelines saying stop prescribing opiates right. are not new. Right. But, uh, you know, it really, really struck me that there's this massive disconnect between what the evidence has been telling us for a long time Right. And what's actually happening. So clinical guidelines are not enough. Like, and I would describe that as downward pressure. Right. Now, the top-down pressure is not enough. So what if we were able to complement that with upward pressure? Okay. With general public turning up for care, asking for best care. Right. Uh, and expecting best care. And so changing com community norms and consumer expectations. And then simultaneously with that, giving health professionals on the front line the confidence, the skills and the strategies to deliver best care. So Pain Revolution is trying to do that. Okay. And we are targeting rural and regional Australia because the disadvantage there um, associated with persistent pain is magnified when you compare it to the metro centres. You can basically add a premium of 30 to 40% on most of the ugly metrics. Okay. When you when you leave the metro areas, and you don't have to leave them by far in Australia. Okay. So, Pain Revolution has uh, has a long term capacity building project called the Local Pain Educator Program, and we raise money, and I'll talk about that later, to support rurally based health professionals okay. to become experts in pain science, education, and management. Okay, and then to deliver professional development and support for their community. So okay. the outcome of this program, they do, they do a year of training, uh, six or nine months of mentoring with experts and then delivering outreach in their community. Wow, that's a so big commitment. We, we had about 30 local pain educators go through in the last cohort uh, and those people in one year uh, delivered 220 events with 2,000 participants. So it's very much, you know, that sort of pyramid selling of knowledge, if you right. like, in a way. Uh, they're not selling, selling it. Everything's free. Right? So, so we raise money to support those people uh, and then we support them with our, with our resources, uh, with a network of experts. Everyone's mentored. Uh, I think a big challenge facing health professionals who want to deliver best practice care, regardless of discipline, a big challenge is the social isolation and the bullying they receive from the, the, in many ways, naive majority. So a big part of what Pain Revolution does is support them 
gives them a community of, of practice and a community of sport to, to keep going. Can I back up? So that's, can I back yeah, up? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned the yeah. So you said the, the physicians themselves are getting bullied. Is that what you just said? Yeah, the health professionals, regardless of discipline, I think. So we have we have medical doctors, physios, psychologists, OTs, exercise physiologists, and nurses all enrolled in this program. Right. And all of them uh, have uh, volunteered the reality that their attempts to understand better, to deliver better care, have been met within their own medical health professional community uh, with scepticism, with social isolation, with, uh, I guess, uh, not, I can't think of the, the right word, but, but with people not trusting them and bullying them to some extent. Wow. Uh, we, so we're asking these people wow. to, to help support their community of health professionals and to engage them with this stuff. Uh, in the knowledge that that's that's going to be difficult to do. Yeah, no, this is to let the public know that this is a problem. I have a friend of mine who is a very high level pain psychologist, has remarkable success getting people better. And he has 11 fellow pain psychologists that the only term he can use is toxic jealousy. There's a friend of mine who took over a high role at the hospital up in, in Seattle. And his partners are just beating the heck out of him about why you're treating chronic pain. You're a physiatrist. Why would you do this? And he's having marvelous success. Um, and then myself, as you know, I got beat up badly by my sister for a long time. And I was told, you know, a friend of mine was told by three administrators how happy they were to get rid of Hanscom. And so, you know, there's a huge amount of resistance within the medical profession as far as um, getting these concepts out there. And I totally completely agree with you. I've taken the same approach also, really going to the public and working from the bottom up because it certainly is not coming from the top down, for sure. So I'm curious as far as how long has the pain revolution been in place? How long have you been working with this? Yeah, so we, we uh, our, one of our other big strategies is this thing called the Pain Revolution Rural Outreach Tour. And that, okay. the first rural outreach tour in 2017 really kicked us off. Okay. Uh, and the way we integrate these strategies is that we, we target a rural region we organize a week-long tour through that region. And that tour serves two purposes primarily. Wow. One is to communicate to that region. We try and saturate all the local media, the local newspapers, radio stations, health professional organizations, community organizations, the returned servicemen's leagues, the country women's association, all the churches, the schools. And we uh, deliver these free seminars to the general public, to health professionals and we have a brain bus which is a traveling van full of fun experiments and people turn up uh, in the local village green and we chat with them and we say yeah why don't you come down to this seminar tonight uh, so the idea of that is to uh, prepare the soil for our next strategy which is then to recruit health professionals from that region okay pay for the costs of their training, mentorship and outreach, and then support them forevermore in what they do in their community. Wow. Right? So the other, the other purpose of the Pain Revolution Rural Outreach Tour is to raise money because we've got to right. pay for this. Correct. Right? So uh, we have cyclists. So we combine it with cycling. So we, we actually have a, a Peloton in bright-coloured kit 
okay. who go through a fair degree of physical challenge to ride between towns right. uh, en route. Uh, we attract a bit of attention that way. We bring in uh, money into these these towns that sometimes are struggling. A couple of towns we can't fit the whole peloton in. So we normally have between 30 and 45 cyclists and then wow. 30 or so in the education team. So, you know, a group of 60 or 70 people come into town with big appetites and, uh, and each of those cyclists pays their expenses. They take a week off work and they raise $3,000. Who are they? Uh, I mean, who, then, are the, who are these people? Are they just yeah? So all these people, professionals, or we, oh, we've had a couple from the USA. Okay. Um, but they they apply, so we get about double the applicants that were and the number we can take. Okay. And you you really have to demonstrate that you've got skin in the game that this this cause resonates with you. So they end up being pain scientists like me, uh, clinicians. Uh, doctors, physios, nurses, OTs, psychologists, wow. consumers. So we each year we have uh, anywhere from three to six or seven riders whose journey began in the depths of the black hole of persistent pain right. and they have recovered uh, through application of the very same things that Pain Revolution promotes. Right. And take on a 900 kilometer, 600 mile, 500 mile ride wow. over seven days. Uh, so just fantastic, inspiring stories. We also have people who have cared for people with persistent pain who have lost people through, through suicide or accidental overdose. Right. Uh, so it's, it's a community. I mean, one thing about the Pain Revolution Tour that comes up in all iterations we've had four now is that it is a truly transformative week for right. everyone. Wow. Yeah, can is. you can you um, get a feel for the impact you're having with the revolution yet, or is it too early to tell? Uh, well, we've got a feel for the impact of, of different strategies. We're, we're trying hard to evaluate it as well as we can on a very small budget. And okay. the pain revolution has uh, 1.6 full-time employees. Okay. And then we have probably 30 or 40 volunteers doing okay. various amounts of work. Huh? Um, so we evaluate it as well as we can. And what we can clearly say is that the people who attend events rate them very highly. Right. Uh, we can say that the impact reverberates through the community. We can say that the local pain educator program uh, is received very well by the participants. And then we can get an understanding of the impact that they're having on their community. The long-term right. outcomes that we aim for would be uh, reductions in opioid prescriptions, back surgery, knee replacements, uh, return to work rates, those sorts of things. And, and our industry partners who are in the insurance space uh, are seeing the impact of pain revolution on a geographically relevant way. So, uh, I'm sorry, we, you, we, you say they are seeing an impact? Yeah, so they're seeing uh, stuff that matters to them, like okay. people returning to work. People who have been off work for 30 years returning right. to work. Okay. Right. Um, those sort of metrics. Now, we don't, we can't evaluate that because that's another million bucks to do right. a, you know, a randomised controlled trial of pain revolution. Right. And it's hard to get money. 
to do right. these things. Right. Um, That's fantastic. But we really would consider these implementation studies. So there's nothing, it's not, it's not rocket surgery, <laughs> not, not brain surgery or rocket science that, to say, here's the clinical guidelines on best practice. Right. We'd like you, to, you the, the general public, to understand them right. uh, and expect them, and we'd like you, the health professionals, to deliver them. Right. And we're prepared to support you Great. in doing that. That's fantastic. And then could you just um, let people know about, I think your Tame the Beast tape is wonderful. How, yeah, that, that, so do I. <laughs> uh, I. That was a great project. So that project um, was funded in part by our Commonwealth Government, in part by a very generous anonymous donor, uh, and was the coming together of, I guess, my sciencey stuff with the creative and innovative flair of a guy called Dave Moen, who's a physiotherapist um, who's just launched a, a thing called Permission to Move, and I encourage people to check that out. Okay. Um, and you'll see the themes in Tame the Beast are coming through and what, what they're doing. And a third guy called Sam Chisholm, who is an animator. Okay. Uh, and there was a lot of work behind Tame the Beast uh, right. that was born from wanting to create something that uh, is true to the science uh, but is novel and is easily understandable. And so that's the animation that came out of that. And then primarily Dave Moen has um, added the interviews and those sorts of things. And it's really, a, uh, I guess, a stop-off point for people on the way to, to better understanding pain. So the, so, the way, so the way you resource this video is five minutes. It's really wonderfully concise and clear. It's just on, under tamethebeast.org, one word. And it's just... It's just a great start, jump start to understanding chronic pain. I think that would be the way I would, would look at it. So it's not going to give you a comprehensive view. It would just get you thinking differently. And it's really, really concise and clear. I think that's a wonderful project. Um, so you get some, as far as actually seeing resources, I mean, I strongly recommend that you look at um, Dr. Mosley's um, TED Talk. What, 2014 was the TED Talk, Lorimer? You know, it was a long time ago, actually. Uh, but, you know, all of those sort of things, some, somewhere like tamethebeast.org will have links to a lot of those videos right. or, or painrevolution, painrevolution.org okay. is a great place to go because it's right. also got links for, for health professionals and lots of cool videos. And they're not just mine. It's not, it's not a Lorimer show by any means. It's... Right. Um, and then where do you think is the best resource in your country, but it's just in general to, I mean, education, I know is a big deal for you. And I know you've written five books for clinicians and I know one of the books is for the public. So what are some of the um, directions people can go to actually get the best education about chronic pain? Mm. Well, in, in Australia, there's actually many groups now doing excellent things in Australia and, um, various versions that that take dif you know slightly different angles on things but are consistent with the science and rather than list them all i guess i would i would say again if you if your first stop is painrevolution.org and okay. go for resources tab okay. and then all the other things are gotcha. are listed there uh, and then you'd sort of weave your way around the, the internet you could also go to tamethebeast.org and follow the links to other sites there yeah there's there are a lot of people doing excellent stuff. 
there are also people doing excellent stuff uh, in North America. Uh, and I mean, you would, you would be able to direct people to those right. things through say what you're doing. Right. But one thing that has really changed in the last decade, I reckon, maybe yeah, decade, uh, is that there are a lot of people now working hard to provide really good contemporary uh, educational pieces. Okay. Uh, because I think the the entire you know the, the pain science community has understood the benefit of rethinking pain. Right. The uh, the clinical evidence shows us the benefit of rethinking it, re-engaging with the best treatments we have right. because the data is suggesting if you can do both of those things, recovery is on the table. This is right. the exciting bit that we were referring right. to you know, last week. Uh, and, and in response to that, government bodies, university bodies, private practitioners are using this some cool array of skills and creativity and innovation to develop resources. So there is a lot out there. I would just encourage people uh, to uh, just keep an eye out for old data and, and ridiculous claims because okay. for every good resource, there'll be another resource saying, got back pain or you need a new disc. Right. Uh, or you got back pain, you need to come and see me, the physio, for Correct. adjustments every, you know, right. every week. And this is nonsense. Right. Uh, yeah. So you just have to be a little bit careful. But if you've got a good coach around that you can run those ideas past or, right. uh, yeah, look for the veracity of the claims. So Lorimer and I do the same passion. We want to get this message out to the world that chronic pain can be solved. I just could tell you one story that came up in the last two weeks that just blew me away. So we never can predict exactly who's going to get better. And there's certain people that have five, six, eight operations that don't ever seem to respond very well to pain. Or certain people come in and so angry, so frustrated, and so trapped. You sort of mentally say, so, well, I'm going to try, but you know, I don't have much hope here. I just got a phone call about six weeks ago from a gentleman who had been in, he's 60 years old, 66, who had been in chronic pain for 20 years. He was a high dose of opioids, high alcohol abuse. He had a serious suicide attempt. He had undergone 27 surgeries, 27. Six of those were back surgeries, neck and back surgeries. So in my mind, in my world, if I saw something like that in my office, usually I couldn't really get through to him. And I would have done what I could do, but really not had much hope here. Um, he's been pain-free now for three years. He's fine. He's, he's no drugs, no pain. He's back working in real estate. His marriage is thriving. He's just fine. And so he wrote his stories. He sent it to me today. I'm going to publish it maybe next week on my website. Cool. But I'm just, but I'm just saying, I think that anything's possible. We just don't know who's going to be. It could be you. It could be any of us. I mean, it could be a given person in front of you for you that is listening has given up hope. I can only tell you the hope is right there. And I think it's what I think this what drives both of us to keep pushing forward because we think we see so much suffering that just seems so unnecessary. Mm. Yeah, totally agree with that, David. I think that that and and we have to uh, take uh, well. I, I feel as a as a health professional who's been delivering care since I was trained to do that in university. I have to take some of the responsibility for the mess that we've we've made of of so many lives right. by our first naivety, uh, 
then probably our ignorance and then probably our deceit uh, where we wanted to hang on to stuff that we found precious despite right. the cost. But I really do feel like uh, I've, I've just got great empathy for the, you know, I had a fellow in front of me just yesterday, uh, military vet has suffered severe trauma, um, psychological and physical trauma. Uh, similar story at the moment to the story you just recounted and part no doubt in my mind that part of the depths to which he has sunk are because of medical and health advice that he's received and the journey out for him will be slow and arduous and need courage and a good coach Uh, but i've seen too many people just like him fully recover Right. To ever think that it's a hopeless situation. Right. No, it's incredible. Yeah. No, it's unbelievable. No, it's incredible. Well, Lauren, thank you very, very much. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can pull off the next 10 years or so. And uh, Cool. Yes, yeah, so am I. I know you're incredibly busy. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on this podcast. And uh, looking forward to uh, staying in touch. That's a real pleasure, David. I think if, if, if you can not cut this out, I want to publicly acknowledge the incredible work that that you're doing and have done and I know a bit of your journey and hats off mate I just think kudos to you congratulations keep it up thank uh, you and yeah it's you're fighting the good fight it's really inspirational thank you very much I appreciate that I'd like to thank our guest Dr. Lorimer Mosley for being with us tonight and for sharing the important work that he's doing to educate both the public and the clinical community about pain I'm your host, Tom Masters, inviting you to return next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.